It is Wednesday, January 4th. I'm Scott Seidenberg. And I'm AJ Hoffman. An update on DeMar Hamlin and week 18 of the NFL season. And Jim Harbaugh flirts with the big boys. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. The Bengals-Bills game will not be made up this week. Week 18 going on as planned. Yeah, an update on DeMar Hamlin still fighting, according to his family. But condition appears to be getting a little bit better. That'll be the Vegas lead agent. Let's get this out of the way here as everyone's awaiting on the updates for... um, you know, Bill's safety, DeMar Hamlin. I believe it was his uncle who came out with the statement and updated his condition. Do you have the exact condition of the statement from his uncle? Yeah. Uh, basically, Dorian Glenn is his name, said um, he's improving from where he was yesterday. He said, we're just going to continue to pray. I know it's in great hands with the great medical team he has here. They've been doing a tremendous job. And they said that he had to be resuscitated twice, once on the field, And once after he arrived at the hospital, he said, I know he's still here. I know he's fighting. We appreciate all the prayers and support we've been getting from people all over, not just the country, but the world. It really means a difference for my family to see that. And I know it'll mean a difference to DeMar when he sees that. And his agent has actually said, while last night or two nights ago, Mm -hmm. on Monday night, they were they had him on a machine that was breathing for him 100 percent. Yeah. He, it's now breathing for him at 50%. So this, these are positive signs yes. that functions are coming back. So this is all positive news, but not positive enough that we can say, oh, he's in the clear. He's yeah. still in critical condition. Absolutely. So, and, and, and the NFL community is still completely rocked by this. Several teams yesterday canceled their media availability out of respect for Hamlin's situation. The Patriots, the Eagles, the Colts, the Chiefs, and the Jaguars canceled their media availability. So, um, you know, Mike Tomlin did speak to the media. I know he had some things to say. Uh, well, he knew him. Like, Mike Tomlin's yeah. known him since he was 12, apparently. Yeah, well, the kid played a pit, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and, and I know Bengals president Mike Brown released a statement as well. So there's, um, there's a lot of people around the league that are affected by this indirectly. And I'm starting to wonder what this means for Week 18 coming up this weekend. Assuming nothing changes, AJ, I think we're okay and the games go on as planned. Perhaps some players maybe choose to sit out. I could see that. If especially if it, I'm talking about the game's meaningless. Yeah. Meaningless game for some of these teams. Maybe a player is shook I, up and they don't want to play. I'll be honest. For the Bills, I could see and they they have a meaningful game. I well, could still see players yeah, sitting out. As can I. I I know we don't want to talk about the worst-case scenario because we pray that DeMar makes a recovery and he is going to be fine. But in the event that the worst news comes out, I got to be honest, I don't think the NFL plays this weekend. And it's not because the league would cancel anything. 
I don't think the players would play. And it's not just the players on the Bills. It's not just the players on the Bengals. I think if if you looked at the widespread reaction from the entire league, I I just don't see these players wanting to take the field if, God forbid, the worst case scenario happens. I agree. I agree with you saying that. I do think that if he if he were to die between now and when games start, it, it, it's it would be hard for them to get on the field. We're here, it's Wednesday morning. If we're talking about, you know, if he were to die today, you're asking players to go out on the field on Saturday. I don't. I don't think players will do it. I, I really don't. I think most teams would would say, "Oh, well, let's have a, a vote." Mm-hmm. We're not doing it. Um, it, it. And this is, you know, there's some people who would say, "Oh, that's player empowerment." Blah, blah, and it, in a way, it is, but mm-hmm. it's also. NFL players, and, and this happened with the NBA a few years ago, like where guys started to just take a stand and say, you know what, this is there's things but, more important. So, And that was different. Those were social justice issues. Yep. We've seen NBA players. Correct me if I'm, if I'm mistaken, McKenzie, but in the wake of the George Floyd incident, the games were, the, games were canceled? The play, players didn't want to play, right? George Floyd happened in May. Um, it was another police shooting that okay. uh, prompted Giannis to sit out that playoff game versus the Magic, and and that was uh, that day of games was uh, canceled. Yes. So I think that I'm, I'm again I'm not comparing the two situations, but I'm comparing the result by meaning it's the players' reaction. Yeah. And again, we hope this never happens. Uh, hopefully, this is. This conversation is completely irrelevant, but I think it's worth pointing out that I think it's a real possibility that the players would control this situation this weekend. I think so, too. And I, and I think that, I mean, the NBA obviously took a PR hit for this, for doing that. I think this would be looked at differently because this isn't a, a social ju- social justice situation. This isn't, I don't know that there's really two sides of this, like the like the side who's like, oh, this is BS. And this, like, I think everybody's kind of in the same boat of, like it would maybe not everybody I shouldn't say that mm-hmm. I think most people would say I understand they wouldn't want to play like it, it makes some sense that they wouldn't want to play in this situation and, and I can I can understand if 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 he's still in critical condition in the hospital and yes his vitals are improving which is a great sign but if there's no change between now and Sunday maybe the Buffalo Bills don't play this game Maybe the Buffalo Bills forfeit this game and the Patriots are in the playoffs you remember when that Kansas City Chiefs linebacker, like killed his wife and then drove to the facility and shot himself in the head in front of Andy Reid. They played. That wasn't. <laughs> that, that was, was a uh, big Javon, deal. That was mental Javon, health. That Javon was, Belcher, right? That had much more to do with the culture and the sport of the NFL than a guy having a cardiac arrest, wouldn't it? Yeah. I, I think I'm in, on the other side the, of this. The if I was a player, is, I would play. The difference is, McKenzie, is, and I talked about this on, on yesterday morning's show, these players are used to seeing guys go down with horrific injuries. They're they're used to seeing a guy writhing in pain on the floor, maybe his bones sticking out of his leg, whatever. As gruesome an injury as you can think about, they've probably seen it all in their lives playing this, this sport. What they probably have never seen, and hopefully they have all been fortunate enough to never see this, is someone die. And this man, this kid, for all intents and purposes, died on the field. He had to be resuscitated. He, 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 the players saw it. It was in front of their faces. It's, it's horrific, no doubt about it. I don't know how, like, 
this is going to take some serious counseling for these players to ever get over this. And, you know, I could see, and McKenzie, I think what you said, if you played for the Pittsburgh Steelers, you play for the Arizona Cardinals, I could see it going to be like, okay, we're, we're going to play. We're going to yes. do our job. This is a terrible but thing. But for but the we're Buffalo do our job. Bills specifically, the players that were on that field it, circling around him as the medics used the, the paddles to bring him back to life. RJ asked me a question, and he said, when you were fighting, if someone on the prelim fights mm-hmm. got seriously injured to the point they had to go, they're in critical condition, they've got to go to the hospital, would you still fight? And my instant reaction was yes. However, and then I now said, let me ask you this: If you were, if you were ringside, and that guy wasn't just on the ground in critical condition, and then had the medics attend to him, if they had to bring out the paddles. And resuscitate him because he died. How would you react? I don't think you're stepping in that octagon, AJ. I would see. That's the thing. I would still fight. The difference is, and RJ, I, and I finally said this to RJ. I said, if it was one of my teammates, one of my training partners, mm-hmm. there's no way I could fight. Because if you go in there and, and you, and not that you know what I what I've done is anywhere near playing at the NFL level, but if you go into a cage fight and you're not 100 percent focused. You're at, like you're asking to get seriously hurt. I think it's if you the play same, the NFL, the same thing with the NFL. Yeah, if you go out on the NFL field, laps on anything. Yeah, yeah, you can be you can be permanently injured, and I don't know that if one of my teammates, one of the guys that I you know trained with and and did a fight camp with and, and sweat and bled with, and I saw them like have to be defibrillated and go to the hospital in an ambulance, I don't think I could fight, and I think that's why I could see the Bills. And, and even to a lesser extent, the, the Bengals. I could mm-hmm. see the Bengals saying, no, we, we don't want to do this. And I I don't think I'd fault them. And it, it's certainly going to be controversial if something if some decision like that gets made. Yeah. But I I would not be surprised if a decision like that does get made. I think the NFL, and I don't I don't know this for a fact, but I think that they would urge the Bengals, I mean the Bills, to play this weekend. Oh, I'm sure they would because of the implications for everyone. It's a playoff spot on the line for the Patriots, right? And, and there's so much involved. They can, you can. I think in this case, it would be a forfeit if the Bills yes. didn't play. So the Patriots yes. would, I mean, make the and, playoffs. And, but then it affects everybody else. Sure. But what I'll say, I mean, <laughs> McKenzie, is this game even on the board? No, exactly. Neither is the neither Bills or Bengals games are on the board right now. Yeah, if I, they do play though, this game gets posted back on the board. I think the Bills were like a touchdown favorite, right? Yeah, seven and a half. So if if nothing changes with Hamlin's situation, or if Hamlin's situation improves, which is the thing that we're hoping for, sure. This game is played on Sunday. Do we hammer the Buffalo Bills? Do they play inspired? Do they play, you know, it's a, to honor I, him? Like, I, no, we don't. And here's why. And I, or I, do we play against them, thinking that they'll be distracted and maybe guys don't play. I, th- I think I leave it out because I, because I think there's going to be mixed feelings on it. And I think that just the idea that some players are already back in Buffalo and some players are still in Cincinnati yeah. tells you it's not, a, it's not going to be a normal week. It's already a short week because it was Monday Night Football, uh-huh. right? And, and if and they're now, not even back in Buffalo, yeah, yet, yeah, and, and you, you like. I doubt Sean McDermott's going to call Stefan Diggs and say, "Hey, bro, we need you back here. We got to practice." Like they're not doing that. Yeah. So to me, it's it's a weird situation with the Bills because I agree there could be some sort of like, "Hey, we're we're going Win one for the Gipper." We've got to go yeah. do this for for our guy. But there's also this has been a it's a, a crazy week. Whatever happens, if they if he 
gets up out of bed and like does jumping jacks tomorrow, mm-hmm. it's still been an insane week for the Bills. Do we know for a fact is Diggs still in Cincinnati? I don't I know, know for I know a fact. He was no, there I, yesterday. As of yesterday, I know he was too. I yeah. don't know where. I, I don't. I've. Uh, I didn't text him today to ask. <laughs> okay, but it, no, I. I you don't know. Do I should. It's a I, early. I don't know where he is, but I. I would assume that most of the players have come back by now. But man, when you look at, at you know, like Tre'Davious White, who was maybe the most emotional guy on the field mm-hmm. on Monday night. If he's still there in Cincinnati and like just waiting for an update, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, it, yeah. it, I, I don't know. I don't. You know, it's it's difficult because I like I know the the word brother gets tossed around a lot, mm-hmm. but I think these guys that's how they really feel. And and if 100%. it's it's how I felt about the guys that were my training partners when when I fought. Like it's it you become a family, and you sometimes you spend more time with them. Than, and I'm sure in the NFL you do spend more time with them than you your do. actual families. Yeah. So it, it's. I don't know how everybody's going to react. I'm sure it's going to be different for different people. Uh, you know, Stefan Diggs said he went up and tried to tried to give like a hype him up speech because yeah. he thought that they were going to play, mm-hmm. and it was just dead. Yeah, like there's some sometimes you're not. No matter what somebody's saying, the moment is so depressed that you're not going to hype him up. And what Booger McFarland said on on TV that night was, you know, this game is for entertainment. No one wants to be entertained right now. No, of course not. And and just like just like no one is was feeling like being entertained by that game at that point, the players certainly didn't feel like working. Mm-hmm. They didn't feel like playing a game. You know, and, the, the more I think about this, and again, I, I don't I don't mean to sound insensitive to bring this back to a sports betting aspect of it, but this is a sports betting podcast, and that's the point of this show. Uh, again, we are obviously completely sensitive to the issue at hand, but as far as moving forward, if again. Regardless of the situation, if Hamlin is improving or he's stable wherever he is right now, and this game is played on Sunday, and the Bills do play this game on Sunday, I actually think maybe the move is to bet the Patriots because the Bills, by not playing the game against the Bengals, do not have an opportunity to get the number one seed. And I guess the Chiefs lose. What, are the Chiefs double-digit favorites this week? Were, not, yeah, were they double-digit favorites right against yeah. the Broncos? Yeah, they almost lost. I don't think unless the Chiefs won the, a, the Chiefs. Uh, the Chiefs won in overtime against the Houston Texans. Unless the Can- like, <laughs> unless the Kansas City Chiefs want to give the number one seed to the Bills as like a you know like a hey we're sorry about what happened here's the number one seed I think Kansas City goes out and tries to win this game and gives a good effort on 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 Sunday. What I'm thinking is though is that Buffalo. Because they do not, because they will not have a buy, treats this as a buy, and all and Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs and and other players don't play. Well, if you think of it as a spectrum, and you guys are considering maybe they wouldn't want to play at all, it's not like you go from that to like all in biggest game of your life. It seems like they would be kind of dejected. Yes, and also from a coaching perspective, Sean McDermott could just say, "Guys, right. let's take the week." You know, we're going to let our third stringers play. Let's take the week. We have a playoff game next week at home. Let's focus on that right now. And let's focus on supporting DeMar. And we'll let the backups handle this. This game against the Patriots is not important. There's nothing to play for. We can't get the number one seed. Let's just go out here. Let's let's get through this game healthy. And let's, and, and let's, let's look forward to next week's playoff. Well, game. here's what I will say. Since 2020, uh, the Bills have dominated this series. Like I'm talking 
average 18 points per game. They've won. They're five and one over that time. The one win for the Patriots was the uh, the game where the Patriots threw like two passes. Like yeah, it was yeah, like the, a, the, the, the crazy win. Yeah. Yep. So I mean, it, this matchup certainly favors the Bills. I don't know, like who who all are we talking? I mean, at some point, there's going to be some starters on the field. I I don't know. I I don't know how what number I'd feel comfortable going. Yeah, the Patriots will they'll, they'll handle that because if you, if you take Josh Allen out of the game. This line goes from seven and a half to what? I would say I would under say three, Mac. Under three, I I, I think it might be Patriots minus one. Pick them. I would say pick. Okay. Am if, I crazy, Mackenzie, for saying Patriots minus one? No, because uh, Fezzik made a good point. Power ratings only take you so far in the final week of the season. Motivation's a big factor. Let alone Josh Allen being worth seven, eight points, take your pick. Yeah, and now you have the Patriots who are a win and get in scenario for the playoffs. Right. So if Josh Allen doesn't play, I'm, I'm the Patriots are minus one. Okay. So if the Patriots are minus one, yeah. And I say, okay, Patriots have uh, Mac Jones, Bills have Case Keenum. Mm-hmm. You like betting your house on the Patriots? Is Stephon Diggs playing? Is are are you know some of the other starters playing? I mean, if I, it's if it's all backups for the for the for the Bills, no, the Patriots are winning that game. Okay. Yeah, I don't know that I agree. Uh, like, so let's say Stephon Diggs isn't playing. Is Gabe Davis playing? Like, how how many star how many players do yeah. you sit before you go like? And if let's say Gabe Davis isn't playing, guess what? Isaiah McKenzie's still the best wide receiver in the whole game. So yeah. <laughs> I don't know at what point the Bills have to sit enough players for me to go. Yeah, you know what? I'll go go Patriots. I I don't think the Bills do that. I think the Bills like it's what either if the Bills want to honor. Demar Hamlin by getting his hometown Steelers in the playoffs. So no, no, no. is he from Pittsburgh? I he is. Yeah, he he's, or he's around Pittsburgh area. Yeah. yeah, I know he played college in Pittsburgh. Um, but yeah, that's that's something that. No, I think it's such a um, man. Is this is such a unique situation that we have really never seen before? I know there was the player in the seventies. That died yeah. on the field, not on the field, but in the hospital after he collapsed on the field in the Lions game, and um, the yeah, players. Reggie Brown was it? You talking about Reggie Brown, the Lions linebacker that uh, was paralyzed temporarily? No, no, no. I'm talking about. I think it's Chuck Hughes. Maybe yeah, this is like a Chuck player. Hughes. Yeah, yeah. Chuck Before Hughes. Before my time, you oldies. Yeah, 1971. He uh, collapsed on the field and was ro- taken to the hospital, and he died. And they, they continued that game. So they I, fin- I never hear about this. I hear about the guy that got paralyzed, but a man died. I know they got people dying in boxing, but someone died in the NFL. No one. It's not a story. Wow. 1970. Well, 1971. He dropped to the turf, clutching his chest around the 20 yard line near Bears linebacker Dick Buckus, who saw him convulsing violently on the field. Buckus motioned to the sideline frantically to get Hughes assistance. Uh, an ambulance was called. They traveled to Henry Ford Hospital, where he was pronounced dead at 5.34 p.m. that afternoon. The Amazing. I'm the, reading from Wikipedia. The one team that is not being talked about a lot in this. And Bengals. It, well, I was going to say the Ravens. The, the Ravens, like, if you're talking about just from a pure football standpoint, the Ravens mm-hmm. kind of got the shaft in this deal. Oh, because they don't win the division. They can't win the division yeah. now because, because the Bengals didn't play a game. Yeah. Uh, and well, they also shouldn't have lost to the Steelers. So sure, but I'm just I, but I'm you know what? Kudos to the Ravens organization who's been tweeting out like, "Pray for Demar." Uh, our thoughts and prayers are with Demar. Like, they've been very classy. But mm-hmm. I haven't seen any fans being that. That's what I mean. This has really brought the league, like fans, the league. Everybody's been brought together yeah. by this. I would. Here's what I'm hoping for. Okay, 
I am hoping that we get a recovery from DeMar and he shows up at the Super Bowl and the NFL does something nice for him, you know? And the fans give him a great ovation. It's a great story, and we hope he makes a speedy recovery. I'm hoping for the best-case scenario. I don't think the guy plays football again. I'm hoping for the guy to survive. Why do you think he won't play football again? Uh, Let's see. You took a a, um, not a very hard hit to the chest, and your heart stopped. I'm pretty sure that there's going to be a medical condition and an insurance deal that is going to prevent them from playing football ever again. But that's like cardiac arrests are usually fatal. I didn't know that. Today. Like I said, we talked about this on yesterday's show that Chris Pronger, when he got hit with the yeah. puck in the chest, uh, the hockey player, and it I mean, it looked exactly the same. He got up, he skated a couple steps, and he just collapsed. And it was like, whoa, and his heart stopped, and it was, I mean, it was the same general situation. I don't know the I I don't think anybody's heard the exact diagnosis yet, mm-hmm. but it it uh, it appears to be very similar. What's um, crazy is that Pronger was rushed to that same hospital that Chuck Hughes died at. Henry oh, Ford really? Hospital in Detroit, and I mean he he was he he was back he was out for a couple weeks. Yeah, it says that, uh, and he played twelve more years in the in the. He NHL. had the he had the commotio cortis, a disruption of the rhythm that occurs as a, res, a result of the blow to the area directly over the heart, and uh, each test following indicated there was no risk in him presuming his career. He played two nights later. Was that the same as a cardiac arrest? Or is it no. Different? Well, it's, I mean his heart stopped. Yeah, right, but, but a cardiac arrest. This is up on the screen. Nine out of ten people that have it die. I mean, if he wasn't in an NFL stadium with paramedics within minutes away, he's probably not with us. One hundred percent. And the medical yeah. staff did an incredible job there. Um, and the, and from everything that we are reading, they didn't say anything about commotio cortis. They said cardiac arrest, which uh, you know is not just a um, you know disruption of your of your heartbeat or whatever. That cardiac arrest means yeah. like you know your, your heart stops. Um, like I don't think Chris Pronger had to be Maybe not. resuscitated it said, with paddles. It says he was unconscious for about twenty to thirty seconds. Yeah. So you're right. I and mean, maybe it's not exactly the same, but I, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I you might be right, but I mean, if, if they're letting Tua go back out a, a couple weeks after he was convulsing uh, on the field, don't compare that. Chris Bosh was is kind of similar, and so was um, that Celtics player that ended up dying. Uh, not in that you're necessarily super at risk. But someone's got to sign off on it. And if you have the choice, kind of like with Tua, no. Just say yeah. no. No, you're right. You're right. It is a, that's an interesting point. Uh, and it says Pronger was unresponsive after collapsing. This was before automatic external defibrillators were mandatory in public spaces such as sporting events. So I guess uh, the Blues trainer was preparing to perform CPR and then uh, in 1997, Florida became the first state to enact broad public access law to mandate AEDs. Uh, Pronger awoke before an AED was needed. So he did not need okay. to get defibrillated. Hey, Mac, did, did Chris Bosch, when he retired, did he ever come out of retirement and play a little bit more? Do no, I... he really wanted to. He, he wanted to the whole time. He was very And consistent. they told him no, right? Yeah. He told him no. Yeah. Man, that's interesting. Yeah. And maybe that's the case here. Like, it like... Because whatever team, I bet Hamlin's on your side. Hamlin's listening to this right now, if he can, thinking, "Yeah, I want to play." He's thinking, again. "Oh, yeah, I'm sure he's thinking he's going to play again." Well, yeah. I'm, I'm sure he's not thinking that right now, but I'm sure, like when he's, yeah, as he starts to feel more normal, he's going to say, "Okay, well, what do I do? I go back to playing football." Uh, it's a, it is a crazy situation, and I, I think it, we got a few answers yesterday. I don't think we got enough answers to satisfy no. people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm certainly not satisfied with, with like that. I've got enough information to make. It, 
any kind of like this is the way it should be kind of statement, but it does feel like things are progressing the right way. Hopefully, you know, by, by Thursday, Friday, we've got enough information that we can say, well, the games, games are going. Yeah. It's going to be normal. That's games what we're hoping for. Yep. Absolutely. Michigan is elimin- eliminated <laughs> from the college football playoff. And the rumor mills are a spinning about Jim Harbaugh and the potential that Jim Harbaugh is interested in heading back to the NFL. Uh, this is – I've one of my old co-hosts uh, is a massive Michigan fan. He follows Michigan football as closely as anybody. So he'll be the first one to tell you that Jim Harbaugh has not won a bowl game at Michigan. Yes, but you know what? Winning bowl games at Michigan doesn't matter as, beating Ohio as State long as you beat Ohio State. Two years in a row. Yeah. He's, I, like, Michigan wants him to stay. Yeah. The question is, does he feel like he – Jim Harbaugh was – and, McKenzie, you can speak to this. I guess maybe – did you become a 49ers fan when your, when your cousin took the job? I always had an appreciation for the franchise, but, yeah, 100%. Okay, I was going to say, I mean, Jim Harbaugh was a successful coach for the 49ers. Like, coach. no one, no one's going to look back and go, oh, that guy just – he couldn't cut it in the NFL. That's not the case. I, I understand why there's an appeal to NFL teams to get Jim Harbaugh because he's the rare, the rare guy who's proven that he can win at both levels. Correct. I mean, there's a lot of good college coaches who have gone to the NFL. I mean, Matt Rule is a good example of a guy who – was the hottest name in college coaching, went to the NFL, and now he doesn't, you know, he he was, he lasted, what, two years? Was it even two years? Also, Harbaugh, at his time with the 49ers, he won in, with with different styles of of play, right? Like, Alex Smith was there when he he got there. He had Alex Smith, he goes to Colin Kaepernick, and just adjusting the way that the team plays, but still having success year in and year out. He, you know, he only was there for four years. It's not like he coached for a long time, but he lost in the NFC championship game, lost in the Super Bowl, and then lost in the NFC championship game. It's a pretty successful run. There's no doubt. Yeah. He's done well. Here's the thing. Last night there was a report. uh, Fox Charlotte had reported um, that in a private conversation with Queen City News that Harbaugh stated he believes he'll be coaching at Michigan next year. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, it's kind of up to him, right? So the fact that he says, I believe I'll be coaching at Michigan next mm-hmm. year, like that says, I mean, you there's someone, that makes it seem like there's someone who's making that decision for him. You think he might be saying... Make me an offer. Like, I probably won't get $10 million a year, but hey, never know. And, and you know what? It, it, RJ would love to talk about this because David Tepper, who is like this hedge fund billionaire who always won at life mm-hmm. and suddenly is losing at life, I wonder what he would pay to just to see if this works. Yeah. Like, well, I don't think money's much of an object to him when it comes to this. Here's what I can say. Anything that Harbaugh says is not to get more money out of Michigan because that happened last offseason. Yeah, he's good on he money. He flirted with the NFL last offseason, and in this last February, Michigan gave him a new five-year deal. So they raised his salary. They paid him more. They said, hey, stop flirting with the NFL. We're going to get you back to the college football playoff. 
and you know you're going to be our coach again. And he he came back. Now, or, or maybe it's just the right NFL job. It does seem to me with that comment that it's very two sided. Like, I don't think I'll well, be in the I, NFL, I, but I, I wouldn't he, rule it out. He could have any job he wants. It's just a matter of what job does he want. Well, I mean, think about it. They they re-signed him at Michigan after losing. He, he he's gone at the, at the time they signed him last year. He'd gone one in five in bowl games. Mm-hmm. He had one win over Ohio State at that time. It, it wasn't like this guy. I mean, he had just had it. Like it was very fresh in their minds, and maybe they're like, okay. Thank God, you finally did it. But Michigan wants him there. I, I don't think there's any question about that. The money for coaching college football is right for Jim Harbaugh. I think this boils down to, does Jim Harbaugh want to go back to that challenge of of coaching the NFL? I think he does. I think it has to be the right job. And I don't think Carolina is the right job. Are the Denver Broncos the right job? Or Harbaugh? Who do you think? uh... Well, Sean Payton first, because Sean Payton can fit in. Yeah. I think Harbaugh. Why, why isn't Jim Ursay opening up the checkbook for Jim Harbaugh? Who says he's not right now? Literally at this moment. That's what I'm saying. Like, look, he, he's he's got ties to the organization. He was a former Colts quarterback. It makes perfect sense. The fan base certainly buys into him. He's familiar with the city. Why not just pay him whatever you need to pay him to make him your next head coach? And guess what? The Colts have a Jim Harbaugh-style roster already, Right. They're led by their running attack. They have solid pieces on defense that they can build around, but it's really about the offensive line and the running game. You bring in a quarterback that could work with Jim Harbaugh, and all of a sudden, the Colts are back to being in contention. Well, I mean, you just mentioned that, I mean, Jim Harbaugh, he made he made Alex Smith and Colin Kaepernick work. Like, yeah. It doesn't take like a, uh, it, it doesn't take some crazy quarterback situation. I guess maybe one of the, the issues that could be holding it up is, Jim Ursay is not like one of the the most cash flush owners in the NFL. Like if you, if you're getting into a bidding war with the Denver Broncos and the Carolina Panthers, who I believe have two of the three richest owners, then mm. the, with the Seahawks, it, like it's hard for Jim Ursay. He's taking knives to gunfights at that point. I think if yeah, it depends. Like, what's the best job? What's the best job that's going to be available this offseason? Like where I think if you take the Colts job, you can be in the playoffs next year because you can win that division. The question becomes: Think about the Colts were expected to win the division this year. The question becomes: Like if if you sit down in an interview room with Jim Harbaugh and say, "Can you make Russell Wilson be good again?" Then Denver's the best job because Denver's got the best non-quarterback roster, better than the Colts, better than the Panthers. Yeah, but does Jim Harbaugh want to play against the Chiefs and the Chargers for the next couple next several years? I don't think so. I don't know. I mean, I think, I mean, the the NFL, there's ebbs and flows to it. Like mm-hmm. two years ago, you, you, I don't want to play the Titans. The Titans win every year. Well, the Titans stink. I mean, the, the Texans five years ago were going, you know, 12 and four. Yeah. Now, now they're going to go two and 14 or whatever, two and 14 and one. Like there's all these teams, the Rams. Nobody wanted to play the Rams last year. Yeah, People are lining up to play them right now. So I don't know that you can say, well, he doesn't want to play them for the next X amount of years because eventually things are going to – they will ebb and flow. Uh, I think he's going to want to go to the job where he has the most control. I, I don't know where that would be. Mm. That I think that's an interesting thing to think about. I, I mean, Chris Ballard, the fact that uh, that Ursay's already said Ballard will be back. Yeah. 
gives him a, a vote of confidence. I don't know what Denver's situation. I mean, Denver, their GM is up there saying, I'm making the coaching decision. I'm, you know, I'm going to find a coach who can fix Russ or whatever. It, it makes me feel like he's got a lot of hands. I don't know what the, I'm sure Carolina would be willing to hand over the keys to Jim Harbaugh. You have to put money on it right now. Is Jim Harbaugh coaching in the NFL next year? No. And here's why. How many years in a row, if let's say Michigan football loses to Ohio State next year, they're mm-hmm. they're back to being a, a nine and three type team. Mm-hmm. Is Jim Harbaugh on a hot seat? No. No. Let's say they do it two years in a row. Is he on a hot seat? No. No. He's got some leash now. He's brought Michigan back to a place that like they hadn't been since Lloyd Carr was there. Yeah. They're gonna they're gonna deal with whatever. I, I mean, they had what what one one double digit win season since Lloyd Carr before Harbaugh got there, like Brady Hoke's first year, and then other than that, it's been like five, six, yeah, seven yeah. wins. Yep, yep. And then since he's been there, it's it's almost nothing but nine or ten wins yeah, or if more. He, if he did not beat Ohio State last year, it's a completely different story. I agree because he had never beaten Ohio State. He finally beats them last year to beat them for a second year in a row. And to get back to the playoffs, it's a, it, it's it now buys him unlimited amount of. Time. I agree. I think I think he's got so much leash, and when you are a college football coach at a place like Michigan, Jim Harbaugh gets to call every shot. Yeah, he he builds his roster. He decides you know who plays, who doesn't play. There's it's all the khakis he wants. Yeah, and that that's something that it's hard to get in the NFL unless you're a guy like Bill Belichick, uh, and in most cases. It's a terrible idea if you do give it to someone. See Bill O'Brien with the Texans, uh, who was a a good coach whose entire legacy in that town is tainted because they gave him control of the roster and he Mm -hmm. was an imbecile when it came to that. Jim Harbaugh has control over everything within the Michigan football program. He's paid very handsomely. Yeah. I think it would take some sort of like to-the-moon type offer to woo Jim Harbaugh away. We are talking NBA, and when we do that, we like to shine the spotlight on our resident NBA expert, Mackenzie Rivers. Mackenzie, how are you, man? What's up? Good. Uh, I want to start the conversation with something that we touched on yesterday morning, uh, and I, I wanted to go into a deeper dive with you, and that's Zion Williamson. It looks like the diagnosis is he's going to miss three. He's going to be reevaluated in three to four weeks. Not not he's going to miss three to four weeks, like. He's going to be reevaluated then. And this is now every season since his senior year of high school, he's had an injury that cost him at least a month worth of time, if not more. Like, at what point does Zion become, man, this guy is a real long term injury concern? And the hamstring isn't like the most, it's not some, you know, a knee or something terrible, but it feels like. It's going to always be something with this guy. Is this one of the situations like you hope with Kawhi Leonard? He's just healthy come playoff time, or he's healthy for a, a nice run in the regular season, and then he's healthy in playoff time. What do you? How do you see Zion going forward? Can he ever be like an elite, elite player if he can't stay on the floor? A difference between me and Bill Simmons and many other NBA adv- advocates, analysts, enthusiasts, experts—you could call us, maybe. I don't really care. I don't really think you need to be working Michael Jordan playing 82 games a year to be the best player in the NBA or the most impactful player in the NBA. Kawhi is a good example. Anthony Davis, 
he doesn't play all the time, but when he's in the playoffs, he's he's a force to be reckoned with. Uh, Zion Williamson, if it was 10 years ago, this would be more concerning than it is today because you said it is a hamstring injury. If it was the playoffs, I'm not sure it'd be like not a three and a half day injury and he's getting treatment every day and he's going to be out there to make an impact on, on winning. I find it a little uh, curious that Brandon Ingram, who's been uh, out since November 25th, about a month, is going to be back. And last year, the Pelicans couldn't win without Brandon Ingram. This year, they have. They've been kept keeping on one of the most surprising teams in the NBA, not to listeners to this pod, of course. Uh, but <laughs> now that Brandon Ingram is back, they're as good as a team that was one of the best teams down the stretch last year, a team that took the Suns to six at their peak, arguably. Uh, I don't think it's that big of a deal. I don't think it takes him down from superstar to something else. But, yeah, I mean, he's going to play less than 82 games a year. That seems like what we're looking at. So, and I guess the other concern is when you talk about load management with a guy like Zion, you're also talking about a guy who, like, that means maybe he's not exercising for a month. And we've seen before, if if Zion is sedentary, uh, he grows. And he's al- <laughs> he's already very big. Like, like, are you? Is there any concern that if he doesn't, if he doesn't do anything for a yes. month, and something has to be said that the Pelicans organization for years and years and years haven't kept their players on the court. Anthony Davis, Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, uh, Drew Holiday. Had, why is why why was he never available when he was with the Pelicans? That's a good point. It just seems that um, the staff there might need, need to be a, a fine tuned. Maybe the Saints getting a little bit too much of the pie. Are, spend some more money on the Pelicans uh, training staff because it seems to be a pattern. A lot of people have noticed. It. They're the Baltimore Ravens of the NBA for for ten years. Yeah, <laughs> it's really like odd. I mean, maybe they just get players that are, are like Anthony Davis and Zion injury unlucky or just well, built that way. And, but and I think seems to be a pattern. And I think what you said. You know, like they're still superstars. Are they going to play 82 games a year? No. Most of the time, if you say, okay, you can get an Anthony Davis level player, a Zion Williamson level player, and let's face it, those are, if you say, who are the the five most hyped guys coming out of the draft into the NBA in the last 20 years, that's two of the five. Mm. So, yeah. like, if these are two of the five biggest prospects in, in the last 20 years of the NBA, and then you say, yeah, but. They're probably going to average 60 games a year. Do you still take them number one, knowing what you're going to get for those 60 games? Yes. I think you do. Especially and because guys sit out anyway. Now the wor- no, one plays, no one plays close to 82 anymore. The worry becomes, like, it, does his career get shortened? And in pre-production, I, I, you know, McKenzie made me feel silly. And in hindsight, it was a silly thing to say. It was, I said, is, is at some point, like, do we see that his whole career get shortened like Greg Odin's did? And McKenzie rightfully said, Zion's already had more of an impact than yeah. Greg Odin did in, <laughs> in his NBA career. And he's right. But I guess maybe a better comp, McKenzie, would be, is he Yao Ming? And if Yao Ming had played a full, you know, 15-year career, who knows what could have happened with the Rockets. He was unable to do that. Yeah, and every playoff stretch he, was, he wasn't available. Uh, I, yeah, there is a good comp, I think, uh, another, another comp. Derrick Rose, who was an Great MVP one. player for two years, and I think you know underrated throughout his career, but he's been a sixth man for ten years now because mm-hmm. because of a big injury. But that isn't this. That, that, I mean, that is it's not a knee, it's not a broken anything. Yeah. This is a hamstring injury. So, but uh, that, let's you know, also cautious op- optimism with that. Yeah, and this is by the way, and, and and I know it's you know making it sound like it's doom and gloom for Zion. I don't think it is because you're right. This is like 
the least major injury he's had. Yeah. It, <laughs> right. Like, this is like, the, yeah. <laughs> it's like uh, my foot blew out, my ankle, my knee. Like, oh, it's your hamstring? Whew, ah, sigh of yeah. relief. I'm yeah. sure the Pelicans brass is like, <laughs> whoo. But I like, those are the things that worry me about Zion is the, the idea of him sitting out for a month and then in a month he's like Zion plus 15. And sure, sure. And I think it's actually going to be more than that because hamstrings are tricky. And with a guy that's ex- as explosive as he is, it's going to take extra long for that for it to heal. Well, it, that's certainly the concern for the Pelicans. You, like McKenzie mentions, Brandon Ingram coming back. And I think one thing we can agree on, and this is why, McKenzie, I think you're, and I don't want to call it a conspiracy theory, but like your hypothesis that the Pelicans aren't that worried about this because they are getting Brandon Ingram back. I think if you told Pelicans fans, hey, we're talking damn near halfway into the season, you're going to be one game out of the best record in the Western Conference. Mm. I think Pelicans fans would have said, okay, we're happy with that. And then they said, okay, well, now you're going to lose Zion for a month. Like, what's the worst that can happen? Like, you're not going to, you're not going to turn into the Houston Rockets in a month. Like, you've, you've built yourself a comfortable spot where you can even if you tread water for a little while you're still looking at likely a home series in the playoffs and if if Zion is healthy for the playoff run and that's kind of how it is with Kawhi like everything revolves around can you get Kawhi healthy for the play? and that's in that kind of the hope for the the this the uh the I don't the Clippers the last several years is if we can just get Paul George and Kawhi Leonard healthy at the right time <laughs> no, no. Yeah. and and a great example of that is what happened last year with the Warriors the, the Warriors weren't healthy all year. No, but they were at the right time. They were healthy for the playoff run. The, wasn't it the first game they played was like their, was yes. their first game together all season? Steph came off the bench because he had missed about 45 days with the with injury. So, yeah, and they gelled pretty quickly. By the way, you mentioned a good point. This would be a home situation in the playoffs. The Pelicans, last time they were home, they were the Hornets. I don't know why oh, those wow. records are, are shared here, but <laughs> the Hornets still exist. So it's weird, but Pelicans never had a home playoff uh, series ever. Yeah, I, I think the I think this is a business. To, I'm not saying it's like malingering, or I'm not saying he's not hurt. I think the fact that they're saying he'll be reevaluated in three or four weeks is mm-hmm. we're much more worried about games that get played in April and May. Yeah, than we are worried about games that get played in January. Hundred percent. That, but that's how the whole NBA is. Even if guys aren't injured, Mackenzie. One of the other things we've seen, and you know, two nights ago we saw Donovan Mitchell. Uh, score 71 points. I thought Robin Lopez had a great tweet where he said, what a historic night where Donovan Mitchell and Robin Lopez combined to score 72 points. Uh, And, (laughs) of course, Donovan scores 71 of them. But the most points since Kobe scored 80. The next night, Giannis goes out and scores 55. We've seen Luka with 60. Like, what's going on in the NBA right now? The Oklahoma City Thunder last night put up 150 points on one of the best defensive teams in the league in Boston, what's happening with scoring right now in the NBA, Mac? You mentioned the most important game, I think, because I don't want to discredit advances in shooting technology, advances in nutrition, how much play, how much better the average NBA player is now than ever before. But the Thunder, without their best player, worth four points to the line, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, SGA, put up the third most points against the Celtics in the Celtics' 60, 70-year history. <laughs> I, I, I got this written down here. The Celtics 
these are the three biggest uh, points allowed. 1979, after Havlicek retires, it's complete rebuilding year. They gave up 160 to the Pistons. 1970, some guy named Bill Russell retired. It wasn't a real team. They gave up 150 to the Sixers. And now the Thunder, against a finals favorite, get put up 150. There's a lot of things going on here. One thing is the refereeing. Free throws, 24 per game, per team. Most since 2011 when uh, it wasn't an offensive league. The take foul rules does seem to be impacting things, but I think all of that is window dressing on the fact that the memo is out. This is scrimmages. These are not real games. Mm -hmm. I think they have to shorten the season. I think they have to have in-season tournaments. I've Amen. been saying this for years. Amen. But the Thunder shouldn't put up 150 on the Celtics. It, what's crazy about the Thunder putting up 150 on the Celtics is the last points they scored, Aaron Wiggins made a three-pointer with 217 left to go in the game. The Thunder scored zero points in the last two minutes and 17 seconds. Like, this could have been 155, 156 points. Yeah. Like, it's just... <laughs> It's cartoon numbers. I, I mean, what what's the uh, the over unders been looking like this season in general? Has it been a, an over heavy season? Well, the market will always be uh, quicker to react to overs because that's where betters want to go. But even with that, fifty one and a half percent overs just in the month of January, four and a half points per game over. Uh, it seems like there's a little leg, letting go of the rope league wide defensively at the moment. Man, it, it'd be hard for me to bet an under in the NBA right now, given what we've seen just over the last week or so. And uh, I always say, I said this the other day when we were, who was the guy who, uh, who got, who, who played like 30 seconds of the game and then came out and everybody was like, Oh, we need our money back. We knew, who, who was that player um, that FanDuel finally was like, okay, we give in, we'll, we'll refund your bet. Either way. I said, do these guys know they can bet unders on these player props? Yeah, yeah. No, and now I realize no one does that anymore. Yeah, now I realize why would you bet an under on a player prop? Like this is what's these guys are just going off. Everyone, I, it's all about overs. Come on, especially yeah. It, overs hit two out of three games uh, on Tuesday night. Uh, I'll say this though, people get into bad habits when it comes to betting overs, and uh, injuries happen, and the playoffs happen. Did very well last year. Betting unders on player props. Jimmy Butler, for example, went under six out of seven games to end his playoff run. Mm. Trey Young went under every single game that he played in the playoffs by more than 10 points. It was it was a lot of money to be made in that market. The last thing I want to ask you about in the NBA, Mac, is the Brooklyn Nets, who have now won 12 straight games. Never lost. And, <laughs> you know, at the beginning of the season, they stunk, and it was really easy to see why. They had, like, the most tumultuous offseason you could possibly have. It was a total disaster. What has changed in your mind for Brooklyn, and is it sustainable for the, for the rest of the way? It's always been the same story since Kevin Durant got to Brooklyn. They've been an amazing offense, unbelievable offense, and they haven't done anything defensively. Well, while the rest of the league might be taking defense off, uh, Brooklyn Nets on the season, even with their rough start, ninth in the league. Uh, I think that speaks a lot to Kevin Durant. Uh, underrated defensively throughout his career in this in this smaller and smaller league, he's probably you know an above average defensive center. And to have your best scorer be be able to do that for times in a defensive position where you usually don't have that kind of output, uh, it makes a big difference. He's a strong candidate for MVP. And correct me if I'm wrong. You said, and I think you said this to me off the air, but the Nets' strongest defensive lineup right now includes Kyrie Irving. Right? Somehow, yes, they they hide him well. Yeah, that's unbelievable. That's unbelievable. Uh, two other teams who I, have... I have, I have a thing with the... So you mentioned Durant possibly being a good MVP candidate. He's 7-1, to one, right? 
So he's uh, one, two, three, four. He's the fifth favorite to win the MVP award. Um, I guess uh, I guess there isn't a comeback player of the year award in the NBA. It's most improved. Right, McKenzie. Right, right, right. Yeah, because I was go. gonna, because I was gonna say, wouldn't Kyrie be like the, like the, the automatic comeback player of the year? But I guess. Mm. I mean, he, what did he come from? Back from? But he doesn't yeah. scoring. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but he doesn't qualify for most improved. I guess. I don't no. think he would qualify no. for most improved. The the two other teams that are on tears right now, McKenzie, the Warriors and the Mavericks. Uh, what's going right for the Warriors the last – they've won five straight. Uh, and obviously what's going right for the Mavericks is Luka. But is it, it with these two teams as well? Like I think Dallas up until recently had been a disappointment this season. The Warriors clearly had been. Are these two teams you're looking to buy for the rest of the season? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a reason why these were the two Western Conference finalists last year. Uh, for the Warriors, I'll take first. Jordan Poole, he had a very bad start to his, start to his uh, you know, kind of – post come out season uh, but now he's kind of find himself and maybe Steph Curry missing a couple of weeks has allowed him to do that you know being in the starting lineup the Mavericks I still think you know they've, they've won some games they beat the Rockets they beat the Spurs they beat the Rockets again uh, I still think they really miss Jalen Brunson Luka Doncic is doing too much he, you can't score 40 a game in the playoffs no one ever has I don't think anyone ever will uh, so I mean it's they, they got a long season to plan it out it's obviously better to work around you know Kobe in his prime and figure out how to get your Pau Gasol than to not have that guy but, um, yeah, so I'd say I'm more optimistic on the Warriors as far as, you know, in the playoffs. They just have a more complete team. And I, from what I understand, Andrew Wiggins uh, expected to be back pretty soon? Yes. Steph Curry, Andrew Wiggins, I expect both to be playing in a couple weeks at least. Yeah, I mean, you got to feel good. If you're, if you're playing good ball without those two guys, you got to feel yeah, good about it. you're two your... most important players in the finals, definitely. Yeah, you're, you feel like you're going to be okay. Uh, although Clay Thompson had another one of those over 50 nights. Yeah. Uh, just two nights ago in a vintage clay performance where he shot hit like 11 three-pointers so uh things i think things are gonna get get to looking up real quick uh in san francisco we have reached the semifinals of the uh, world junior championships coming up here uh in uh, halifax nova scotia it's up in canada eh Sweden and Czech Republic in the first semifinal game. The Czech Republic minus 120. And Canada and the United States in the second semifinal game. Canada minus 190. The United States plus 155. In the first one, I think the Czech Republic has played an incredible tournament, AJ. They have only lost one game in this tournament. And that game was, though, to Sweden the team that they are playing here in the semifinals. Sweden. And, in fact, in world junior play, which is under 20 years old, in under 20 play, Sweden has beaten the Czech Republic 18 times out of the last, you ready for this? 18 of the last 23 times they have played them. They're 18-1-4 against the Czech Republic in under 20 play. Oof. The last time they lost to the Czech Republic, New Year's Eve 2002. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> I think that the Czechs have all the talent to win this game. It's it's a lot of history to overcome. Um, they did take an early one nothing lead in the game that they played earlier this tournament on December 29th, but the Swedes came back and won that game 3-2. So it's certainly going to be a battle. And speaking of battle, USA-Canada, what what more can you ask for with these two teams? Yes, 
Canada has the best player in the world right now in Connor Bedard. He's the number one overall pick. He has set the record for most goals, most points. He is dominating this tournament. Canada is dominating this tournament. 29 goals scored in the preliminary round, only eight goals allowed. The United States 1911 goal differential. The the thing is, the U.S. has an elite goaltender right now in Trey Augustine. He is playing extremely well. He's 4-0 in this tournament. He did not play in the their loss to um, Slovakia. Uh, he's 4-0 in this tournament. He has a 1.36 goals against average in this tournament, a 938 save percentage. And I see a lot of similarities. Now, the last time USA and Canada played each other was in the 2021 gold medal game. USA won that game 2-0. That was that's a much better United States team than this US team. That team had Trevor Zegras, right, who's a star for the Ducks. That team had Spencer Knight in goal, who's now a star for the Florida Panthers. And that's the similarity I'm talking about. Canada led that tournament with 33 goals and ran into a hot Spencer Knight in the gold medal game. Canada leads this tournament with 29 goals, and they're running into a hot Trey Augustine in this game. I think the U.S. is absolutely live to pull an upset here. Uh, I understand that Canada's looking for revenge. They're on home ice. They have all the advantages. Wait, which team does Connor Bedard play for? That would be Canada. Uh, and you're betting against that team. I, I, th- I <laughs> Here's where I'm interested the in. The guy who's just made everybody else look like they're like a PB yeah. team. So here's, here's what I'm interested in. I'm interested in the puck. He line. looks like Adam Banks playing for the Wolves. Yeah, that's a good comparison, except Adam Banks was from Edina, Minnesota. Um, <laughs> don't ask how I know that. So you, um, the USA maybe plus a goal and a half, lay the juice. I think this could be a game that goes into overtime. I think if Augustine is hot, only lets up maybe two goals, the U.S. has the firepower to score as well. I'm trying to say is I think the U.S. can win this game and I might be more comfortable taking the goal and a half because I know Canada is way more talented and no one has been able to stop Connor Bedard. Absolutely no one. He, this kid is, he is a generational talent. We're talking about, like, you go from, in the NHL, we're talking like generations. Obviously, Sidney Crosby was the the next one. That was his nickname, the next one, right? Like, if we say, if I said Gretzky, mm-hmm. Lemieux, Crosby, mm-hmm. this guy... Is it, would that be no, hyperbole? I, I, no, it's not hyperbole, but I think you have to put McDavid in ahead of, okay. you know, because McDavid came into the league and he's already won two MVPs. He is clearly. And these guys are like on a like different level guy. than Ovechkin? No, Ovi's up there. Ovi's there too. Okay. Ovi and Crosby are, are, are right there with you. They're other. peers. Yeah. They came in a year after each other. But, this is like, but Crosby had more hype when he came in. Yeah, because he was expected to be the next. First of all, they nicknamed him the next one. Right. He he set all of the Canadian he, every record that Gretzky had in Canada and in, in juniors and whatnot. Crosby broke him, and then Crosby was supposed to he he came to the Penguins, and not only was he the next great one, that's why they nicknamed him the next one, but he also took over for Mario Lemieux, and really Mario Lemieux then you know when he, he became you know part of the ownership saved that franchise. Pittsburgh the, the Pittsburgh Penguins were dying. And Lemieux saved that franchise. They're going to dra- be the Oklahoma City Penguins. <laughs> and dra- or Kansas City. <laughs> and drafting Sidney Crosby saved that franchise. Um, so he took over for, 
for Gretzky, as far as Canada is concerned. And he took over for uh, Lemieux, as far as the Penguins franchise is concerned. This guy's he's a top five all-time player. Okay. I, McDavid has the chance to be there by the time his career is over. Here's my question, then. If we really believe this Bedard is going to be that, where do you have to be right now in the NHL standings that it's it's worth it to try to make the playoffs? And I, I know that in the NHL, you see long shots win more often than you do in other. Like in the NHL, it's way easier to win as an eight seed than it is in the NBA. Yeah, you got a hot goaltender, you can win a series, absolutely. But at what point it, is it more valuable to have even a 5% chance to land this kid that can be a complete franchise changer mm-hmm. versus play all out for the second half of this season? Like if if you're right now in let's say you're 10th or 11th in the Western Conference, you'd have to jump three, four teams to just be the eight seed. Would you? Would it be smarter for you to go for that eight seed, or maybe play non-optimally and give yourself a, a better chance at landing the ping pong ball? So the way that the, the the lottery works, I mean, it's overwhelming, obviously, the higher you sure. are. The worse you are, the overwhelming odds you have of getting the number one overall selection. And it looks like, it just, I'm, I'm no expert, but I'm I'm looking at the standings. The Blackhawks, the Blackhawks, the, the Blackhawks right now are the worst record. They have the highest percentage chance. And then it would be Anaheim and Columbus. Blackhawks, Ducks, and Columbus, are mm-hmm. they're like seven points clear of the fourth worst team. Yes. So the, these three teams are dreadful. Yes. So let's just say those three teams take up 60% of the chances. Well, it would be 18. Mackenzie, do the math real quick. All right. Ready? 18.5, 13. 13.5, 11.5. 43.5. Well, so that was so impressive. That means like. Nice. I, was, I was taking my shoes off. 57.5% <laughs> goes to the, the rest of the group. Yes. If, if you can get 5% of that 57 that feels more valuable to me than fighting to be the eight seed or, or like even if you're even making it as the eight seed, mm-hmm. I would re- like if you told me you can either make it in as the eight seed and roll the dice or you can have a one in 20 shot at this franchise altering player. Yeah, I think I'd take the one in 20 shot at the franchise altering player. All right. Let me give you a crazy scenario here. Crazy scenario. All right. And when I mean crazy, I mean like crazy. As we sit right now on January 4th, okay. the Edmonton Oilers have 42 points. They are on the outside looking in of the playoff picture right now. The Edmonton Oilers have two of the best players in the NHL in Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. If you are Edmonton, why do they stink so bad? Goaltending. Okay. Um, and yeah, I guess uh, yeah. Um, I mean, there's a lot of reasons. Um, pro- primarily goaltending. It, it, oh, Stuart Skinner's not terrible. Whatever. There's also a lot of good teams they play against. But uh, we're not talking about the Oilers being okay. good or bad. I'm just talking about their, their their players right now. Okay. You have Connor McDavid and Leon Drysaddle, two of the best players. They've won three. McDavid and Drysaddle have won three. Of the last five MVP awards, I think, okay. or six MVP awards, two of the top 10, 15 players. What would you say? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, like look at the 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 McDavid won two MVPs, right? And then Drysaddle won an MVP 
a couple of years ago. So I'd say out of if I'm looking right now, McDavid won in 20. They won back-to-back MVPs in 20 and 21. McDavid won in 2017. So one, two, three, four, five. Six. They've won three of the last six MVP awards. Okay. So maybe even better than that. Maybe yeah. two out of the top six players. No, they're, two out, like they're honestly two out of the top five probably. Maybe two out of the top. Yeah, you're right. Six players in the league. If so this they, is like when Steph and KD were on the same team. Yeah. If they get to a point that they are still hovering around the same spot, Right now, if the season ended today, they have a 2% chance at the number one overall pick. If they can improve their chances to get to maybe 6%, it might be worth it. Because, <laughs> honestly, if you put Connor Bedard with McDavid and Dreisaitl, that's, so, the, that's, the, that's the best. Th- that's, that's but, but so I agree with that. But, but wouldn't you say that because they have those two players, mm-hmm. they're one of the teams that that's more equipped if they make it in the playoffs yes. to make a run. 100%. I'm thinking of these teams like that don't have a, a dude. Like, like Philly. Philly stinks. The Nashville Predators don't have a dude right now. Nashville doesn't really have... Eh, like they, don't, they don't have a dude. They don't. And like... Uh, like Vancouver. Does Vancouver have a dude? Like it's... They, you're like, oh, we're all, we've always got a chance because we've got uh, yeah. this guy. He's not a household name, but Elias Pedersen is probably their best player. Okay, yeah, I've never heard of that guy. <laughs> all I'm saying is, if you're one of these teams, like if you don't know what your future is built on, mm-hmm. and I would say Edmonton's one of the they're an exception because they do know what their future they got, is built. I on. mean, arguably the face of the league I, is you know. By the way, I just I just noticed this. Colorado's behind them in the in the playoff standing. Didn't Colorado win the Stanley Cup last year? Yeah, they won the Stanley Cup last year. Why Why do they stink now? Uh, they lost some players, and their goaltending is bad. Okay. So they lost their goaltender from the Stanley Cup last year, and uh, yeah, I would say it hasn't been good. I would say if you're at where did Edmonton is what ninth right now? I would say, and that's ninth in the West. I mean, it's, we're not even talking about overall. Mm-hmm. If you're behind Edmonton in the playoff standings, I'd go out of my way not to win games. Like I, I I'm not saying like flat out tank, but I'm saying. Play suboptimally. Give yourself the best chance, even because even if you have, if you can take your chance to go from three percent to five percent, that's massive. And I know that you've said this before. The last few weeks of the season, you want to be betting against these really bad teams. Yes, the, the last when we get to the last two three weeks of the season, I'm going to bet against Chicago, Anaheim, Columbus every game, and that makes sense. But what I'm saying is. If you're not going to be those teams that are that are in the 42 percent, yeah, work to get as big of a chunk of that percent as Move, you can. So double your chances. Go from th- your St. Louis right now. You have three and a half percent chance. If you can go from three and a half to seven, yeah, and that's not that's only a four five point difference right now. Seven yeah. percent to get a player like that seems like yeah, it's worth it, McKenzie. And there, it's funny that there's a player right now in hockey that is looked at as like the the next thing mm-hmm. because it's the same way in the NBA. Oh, Victor Wembanyama. I call him Victor. Uh, <laughs> Did I say that right? Wembanyama. Wembanyama. Think Wembanyama. Yep. Uh, I've learned this from RJ. You can win by Yama. I've learned this from RJ. <laughs> if you can't say it right, just call him his first name. Yeah, Luca. People, yeah, Luca. People will get it. Does it? Do you get the feel right now, McKenzie, that teams are trying to tank for this guy? Yes, it's been scuttlebutt since the summer that uh, tank for Victor's going on. Uh, oh. Yes. Okay. Is it, I mean, Rockets. Adrian Wojnarowski said this is the greatest prospect in NBA history. I'm not wow. exactly sure if 
Kareem or LeBron would, wouldn't be mad at that statement. But as far as low, high ceiling, low, uh, high floor, like how bad could this guy be? Uh, it's, it's unprecedented, I think. Then if he's you're seven foot two yeah, and he's like a point guard, I, I mean, the guy's, he's a freakish, freakish I, thing. I don't know if I want to make too much of the eye test, but I mean, cause his numbers aren't that great. He's not shooting that great. He looks like a, a polished NBA player when he handles the ball, like seven, eight dribbles between the legs under pressure, pull up from three. That I, it's, that's rare. That's and, rare for a six, seven guy to do. And he also, he also looks like, like a grown man playing with kids. It looks like Bill Madison. Yeah. Uh, when he was out playing, playing basketball, dodgeball. Yeah, playing dodgeball yeah. with the kids. Now you're all in big trouble. Yeah. <laughs> but is it, if you're one of these teams, let's say, like, not, I'm not talking about the Rockets or the Spurs or the Pistons or the Hornets, Magic, who are just bad teams. L- yeah. Like, it, they're bad teams. They're no good. They're not going to make the playoffs. They don't have a shot. And even if they didn't somehow make the playoffs, there's no chance they'd win anything. I'm talking about if you're the Toronto Raptors. How about the Chicago Bulls? Chicago Bulls is a great example. If you are... The uh, the L.A. Lakers, do the Lakers own their draft pick? This uh, year? I do not think they do this year. Oh, then no. they, yeah, we can't count them. Okay, the Oklahoma City Thunder. If you're those teams, like, if you can just up your percentage of a chance ever so slightly. We talked about the Thunder putting up 150 points tonight. Uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, their best player by far. Illness, non-COVID-related illness. Those things tend to happen in Oklahoma City down the stretch. I think he's played like 5% of games in April and March, this guy. Yo, you know what's crazy? It's because they want a high draft pick. You know know, what? You know what's crazy? Orlando has, right now, if the season ended today, they have the fifth pick and the sixth pick because they get the Bulls pick. My two favorite underplays in the NBA this season, Bulls under, Magic (laughs) under. Really? At some point, they're going to blow it up. But don't you, if you were a team that had the number one overall selection, would you trade back for no. fifth and sixth? No. Fourth and fifth? No, no. you wouldn't trade back Third. for fifth, sixth, and seventh. Yeah. Maybe not even, maybe even four picks. So that's fourth. that's how good this one Think about this. is going to be. If you, if you had the chance to draft LeBron James, yeah. would you have traded him for Darko and Carmelo? It's, it's a good comp. Darko and no, well, do I have a choice? Be honest, no, no, they, they would be Darko. This was two and three. You didn't know so that at the time. It, I didn't know at the time. So, I, but it, at yeah. the time, had you done it, you would be fired. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. LeBron's rookie of the year, and you're fired. Yeah, yeah. yeah. like I'm sorry, you're you're, you're uh, eliminated. Yeah. Uh, so, but Melo won a national championship. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You know what, McKenzie? When we like we all, and I, I'm not doing it today because normally we shame teams who tank. I'm not shaming anybody who tanks here because I'm saying do, do it. If you're in hockey, <laughs> if you're in the NBA, do it for these two guys. You know who will never be able to bash for tanking? The freaking Utah Jazz. Who? Right. <laughs> I mean, it, if you had said, if I had said, McKenzie, in the last 10 years, show me a team who has set themselves up more for tanking than the Utah Jazz did this offseason. Could you have found one? Youngest coach in the league, traded away, not their superstar, but their Two superstars are out the door, and yeah. not for not for players, no. all for draft capital. Yes, if you said who's who's going to go all out to lose every game this year, I would have said it's the Jazz, because no one would, everybody would understand. If the Jazz lost, you know, seventy five games, people would go, man, yeah, we knew they were going to stink. Seventy five might be harsh, but if they lost seventy games, mm-hmm. we'd go, yeah, yeah, no, they they were going to stink. They're they would be in one of the play-in games right now. Like, Jazz, what? by the way, they have lost five in a row, 
and their odds for the number one overall pick up to 1%. There's a chance. So are you saying wow. maybe they're they're doing the okie doke where they're the like Oklahoma City Thunder doke. Exactly. The Thunder were the surprise team. They were oh. 60% ATS. Until and, February last year, and then there was a, a knee, and, and Giddy had to had to go see his mom for something, and somehow they lost sixty games. That happens every year with the Thunder. It, it's it's a plan, and so, the Jazz uh, they're they're smart too. So now, if the Jazz finish nineteen and sixty three for the season, <laughs> people will just ha- like they'll say. What do you mean we tanked? Look at look how hard we played early in the season. Our over under was twenty three. We didn't quite make it. But you know what? We won 19 games. Yeah, I that boy, that'd be a big play by Utah. I think, mate. I would say I would. I wish that I would have had this I think take they'd be investigated, though, right? I wish <laughs> I would have three games in a row. McKenzie, I wish I would have had this take like a week ago. I would have said the Jazz need to be the team that starts losing. And dude, if you're yeah. Orlando, if you're Orlando, lose every game for the rest of the year, and then you get Paolo and Victor on the same team together for the next 10 years. Friends, Wagner. Uh, Not a bad player. How about Shea Gilgis, Chet, no, Holm, Chet Holmgren, no, I don't, and I don't, Victor? I don't, I don't need two seven-footers. <sighs> you got three. You got Poku, too. Don't forget yeah, about Poku. How are you yeah. matching up with those guys? You've got seven-footers just hitting threes all <laughs> yeah. over the place? Like, that's a problem for defenses, I'm afraid. Yeah, especially with a guard like SGA who, who can uh, who can distribute. I'd rather, have pa- I'd rather have Paolo and Victor run the two-man game. Maybe so. I, I don't, But I'm saying this. Hockey... NBA, if you're not a team that's going to win the title this year, and I think in the NBA it's so much more clear like who's got a real shot and who yeah, doesn't. Yep. But if you're not a real contender, if there's any year that it would be better to finish 13th in the conference yeah. than 7th yeah, in the conference, yep. it's this year mm-hmm. in both those leagues. So I, I yeah, know it's rare that we have – the, like a clear-cut number one. Yeah. It doesn't happen often. And I get what you're saying about the three teams. Like, I'm going to fade those three yeah. garbage teams at the end. I'm saying before that, like, you got to start now. Mm-hmm. you got to start building this thing now. Otherwise, you're like, if you go into that lottery with 1% chance, you might as well have made the playoffs. Yeah. But I think if you go from a 1% chance to a 5% chance. Or a Four percent chance to a seven percent chance. Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely worth missing yeah. the playoffs. I one hundred percent in both of those leagues. So, again, I'm not advocating for tanking. It I'm sounds just, like you are. I'm one hundred percent. I'm yeah. advocating Thank for you. setting your franchise up for future success. Is what I'm doing. Just be smart. Just be smart. That's it. Dreadful news in the world of college basketball. Bigger brackets may be coming. Uh, this is something that's been in the works for a while. There is a transformation committee that is recommending allowing 25% of teams in sports to compete in championship events. And that's, it wouldn't count football. It's sports that, um, there's at least 200 schools in. So there, if there's, if there's 200, they're going to put in 50 in the NCAA basketball case it would put in up to 90, 90 teams in the tournament. I said this when they went from 64 to 68. I think this is a bad idea. You're, you're messing around. Like, you understood when they went to college football playoffs because everybody hated the BCS. And, mm-hmm. and, and you understood why they went to the BCS before because everybody hated the system where it was just like, 
some random uh, newspaper decides who's playing in the national champion. Like, you're always looking for a better way. The NCAA tournament is the one thing in sports that, like, you can hardly mess it up. They, I don't think they messed it up by going to 68. No, they, it wasn't that big of a deal. It was just adding – we already had the play-in games. Yeah. But I think – The biggest mistake was calling that the first round. Yes. And then calling the first round the second round. But and it, then call- <laughs> if you'd make it to 90 teams, and I think the the reality would be you'd have to make it – you'd have to go to 96, and there'd be 32 teams who got a bye in the first round, and then the other 32 teams would be sort of play-in game. They'd have to play an extra game now. Either way – I think it would fundamentally change the tournament in a negative way. I agree. I don't understand like why they how are we so going to fit those brackets on one landscape printout? It's so clean right now. It's, it's so, so clean. <laughs> universally everyone gets it. Like when, think about this: when you fill out a bracket, do you fill out who's going to win the play-in games? I, I do. Exactly. I do. My I pool. Mean, my pool gives out one bonus point. But you win those games. You don't have to. Yeah, you don't have to. Yeah, you can still turn your bracket in Thursday morning before the first game tips off. Get into the office a little early, turn it in. I, this would be, this is a dreadful idea, but it, what I will say this: if they do it, it has to be where there's more like mid major, low major school teams getting in, mm-hmm. like. This can't just be more of the same old Power Five school. Like you have I, to start letting the com- like the the conference champions in well, and the conference com- tournament champions in. Yes, that's see, see that's the thing that I was going to say. So you already have the conference the the, the, the tournament, champ- champions. tournament champions get an automatic bid. I think what you can do is you open it up for the regular season champs get an automatic bid, and then the conference the tournament champs get an automatic bid, and then you would say if it's the same team that wins both. Then you give it to the the finalist in the tournament. Sure, gets the automatic bid. So essentially, or I mean, I don't. I think if the same team gets both, you don't have to. You, like, I'd rather have a, a a power five team in that spot. So then, oh yeah, because because yeah, because if you do two bids per every mid major, that's not it's too many. Too many. So yeah, I'd say that the selection committee just has to say automatic bid for regular season and for tournament champs. Yeah, I, I mean it's it, it's convoluted in a way. I don't think it ever happens, but. I, you don't think it ever happens? Nope. I'm going to put it right now at 25%. No, I, I think it's less than that. I think there's going to be so much pushback. I hope pushback. you're right. There's going to be so much pushback on this. I, I hope you're right. Um, all it takes is for uh, True TV to come in and say, we'd love to have more games. Less impractical jokers, more college basketball, sure. <laughs> yeah, I, this this feels like such a bad idea, but... I mean, at the end of the day, like the, the, oh, more money for more money for the Power Five yeah. teams, more money for school presidents. They they don't care. They're not worried. Eventually, about, those money grabs come back to bite. I agree with that, but you know when they do, generally when the people who made those decisions are dead and gone, <laughs> that's the problem. Yeah. So like by the time Greg Sankey, like the the SEC commissioner and uh, whoever whoever else is on, I think like the the lady that's the AD at uh, Ohio University, they're the ones like orchestrating this thing. Like by the time it's like, God, remember when the bracket used to be awesome and they ruined it? Yeah. Who did that? And everybody be like, Oh, it was Jim Sankey, but he died in 2029. I we can't talk bad about him. He's dead, and that's where we'll be. So I'm gonna say, I, I'm against this. I want it to be firmly known I'm against this. I think you are firmly against. Mackenzie, are you firmly against firmly. this? It can't happen. It can't. So let's just. If if someone comes to you with a petition, sign it. 
Right. <laughs> Don't sign a fake name. Sign your real name. Give your real address. They're going to check it. But we can't have this. Let's hold. I think that 90 is not going to happen. But I could see it going up from where we are currently at 68. Right now, there, there's four playing games now, right? Mm-hmm. And there's there's two 16-seed playing games and two 11-seed playing games, right? Yeah. I can see it going to four play-in games for the 16-seeds and four play-in games for the 11-seed games. I think – and here's why I think that's a bad idea – because I think if they do that, they're only doing it to put more teams in. Correct. You're you're, giving, you're it, giving you're giving four more mid majors a chance, and you're giving four more at large teams. a chance. To me, that's even worse. Like if you're going to expand it, expand it because they this rule, this twenty five percent rule, is enforced, mm-hmm. and they say, "Well, you we got to." Don't expand it just for fun. Like that's that's the, an even dumber idea. Run for fun? Yeah, <sighs> it's crazy. It is crazy. All right. Uh, Around college basketball, I, you know what? I'm going to do something we haven't done on this show yet. What's I'm that? Cross pom- c- cross promote to do. our college basketball podcast on RJ Bell's Dream Preview. I do it with a guy named Griffin Warner. Very good, and his best bet this week is on a game that's played today. Let's hear it here. I went against North Carolina State with my best bet on Friday. That was a tough loss for them at Clemson. I thought they played. Surprisingly well, despite falling behind pretty heavily, um, and they were missing my Orchich, their big center. Um, but I thought got a really good game from uh, Burns, a, a big, big man transfer from Winthrop, who um, did a lot more than I thought. And I think there's a lot more talent on this NC State team, more than you'd expect. Plus, uh, the Wolfpack fans go all out for any game with a North Carolina school, specifically one located on Tobacco Road, like in North Carolina. It's probably the main one, but Duke is a very close second. Uh, and I just don't really believe in this Duke team. Um, I think John Shire is a huge downgrade from Mike Shevsky. I think his impact on the officials is significantly different. And NC State catching more than a possession at home. I think there's a very good chance they stay within that number. Also seeing Duke go on the road and lose to Wake Forest makes me pretty comfortable that I think a better, more talented team like NC State can uh, get the job done. If you'd like that pick, there is plenty of more. Plenty more where that came at from. pregame.com. Go to pregame.com. Scott. Yes. They can get your picks. They can. They can get McKenzie's picks. They can. They can get my picks. Yes, they can. They can get Griffin's picks. Yep. They can get Fezzik's. Steve Fezzik picks. Yeah. Like, Hitman, everybody. Yeah. It, why wouldn't you do this? And I told you we I were dare you give, to give me some money off. I told you we were going to give money I off. Dare you I to. said it on yesterday's show. I said we're going to well, give I you wish money you off. I would. So let's do it this way. Thank you for waking up and listening to this show. Promo code WAKE20. Nice. Like you wake up. In the morning, you're not, awake. Not wake and bake, McKenzie. Slow down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just wake 20. I, I heard the lighter going off. Uh, wake <laughs> 20. 20% off for listeners of this podcast at pregame.com. This one's going to be good, though, for a little bit. We're extending this promo. Nice. So if you don't use it today, use, use it tomorrow. tomorrow. Mm-hmm. If you don't use it tomorrow, use it the next day. The next day. But guess what? Use it. Use it. Because if you don't use it, you lose, you lose it. it. What's this pedestal thing I keep hearing about? That's at pregame.com. <laughs> Make sure you go. And uh, if you aren't a member, sign up because new members get a free $25. So if you're a new member, guess what? Free $25 and promo code WAKE20, 20% off. Lots of deals available at pregame.com. For Mackenzie Rivers and AJ Hoffman, I'm Scott Seidenberg. We are straight out of Vegas. Hey, yeah.